Hmm. Amazing. It's absolutely amazing. But under the right circumstances, a producer could make more money with a flop than he could with a hit. Hmm. Yes, it's quite possible. Welcome to the NFC Police Show, the only show keeping the NFC East honest. Williams, how are you doing? I'm chilling, man. Another rough week for my football team and another rough week for the football team. So just uh, another week in the NFC East. <laughs> just man. another week. Really, uh, man, we'll, we'll get into it. Let's, let's just jump in. Let's talk about Washington first. Um, I... Did not watch this game, nor did I watch the highlights like I normally do. I just was, I'm just been tangentially aware. So I'm, I'm admitting my bias from, from the jump. And I, I hope that listeners still stick with me with my horribly uninformed takes about this game. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was right about it. The Saints did win. <laughs> it was a bounce back game for the Saints after uh, the Giants game. From what I saw, it really did feel like, you know, it was like almost like a repeat week for the Saints. Like it played out almost identically to how the Giants game played out. They just won instead of lost. So good for the Saints. But like, <laughs> like what does this really mean for Washington? This is now our take about them winning the division looks worse every week. <laughs> it looks so bad. <laughs> uh, I'm still holding on to hope. Are we are we stupid? <laughs> We've stopped watching the games. I've stopped watching the games. It's week five. <laughs> We're doing we, great. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. I mean, what what do you take away from this? I'm gonna come in with some uninformed reaction after you after you're done. But I need something to work off of, man. <laughs> yeah, there's a couple. We already talked about it last week uh, in more optimistic tones. But I'm just frustrated by the lack of year-to-year consistency in defensive performance really across the NFL. It just kind mm-hmm. of bums me out, man. Like, I feel like the way the game is structured now and the amount of leeway offenses have to be creative and how strict defenses are really forced to play, the variance year-to-year is just – it almost just feels like a coin flip. Um, that's sad because I do think, you know, this Washington defense, maybe in a different time and place, has the chance to be borderline dynastic. Uh, and maybe they can still be that. And maybe I'm just trying to justify my own preconceived notions of what I thought this defense would be. But I think that's one of the real stories here. Um, is just this was a team that had to lean on like a top three defense because we all knew the offense wasn't going to have the juice. And I don't think the defense is awful, but they're certainly not on the level. And then it's not helped by the fact that Heineke's out here with a sub 50% completion percentage with two picks, no TDs. I mean, I know we might be the biggest Heineke haters on the planet. Uh, so I don't want to, you know, uh, drill that into the ground, but it's just what what are you supposed to do? Like, what are you left with if your defense is your whole building block and it's underperforming, and then your offense is just doing what it's always done, which is, you know, just be terrible. So I don't know. I'm I'm feeling as as a longtime Washington football team, uh, not a fan, but like pity. Pity yep. supporter. I think many of us are that way. I don't want to see them do like really well. Let me be very clear. They're still in the division. I want to see them suffer. But it is like if 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 a team in the division, I don't mind winning random football games and looking like a fun team. It's probably this one. Well, uh, it mean, hurts. It's uh. It goes back to the fundamental thesis of this podcast. I think a rising tide lifts all ships. Right. If the division is good then the other teams in the division become good. And the reason why we're frustrated and perpetually angry is it feels as though the level of standards and expectations 
on each of these teams from ownership on down has regressed over the past 10 years. And instead of a rising tide lifting all boats, a sinking tide is literally torpedoing all ships, right? And I think it's fair to want Washington to be better. And I, it does depress me on some level that um, they're fading into the mediocrity we're used to them being to the point where I don't even feel like I need to watch them to know what happened in the game. You know, of course, for my listeners, I will make a better attempt to to yeah, watch next not, week. But right. my point don't, stands. Don't think into complacency like every team in this division has done. <laughs> uh, you're right. It's I need to if my teams aren't going to hold themselves to a high standard. I at least need to hold myself to a high standard. It's been my infected fault. with the miasma of <laughs> incompetence. And... But yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. I still, nothing I've read or seen about this game makes me any less bullish that this defense will turn a corner. As I said last week at some point this year, but at what point and will it be too little too late? And to what extent, like, turning a corner could just mean not giving up 30 points a game and instead give up like 15 to 20 and still be losing because their offense can't consistently churn out yards or points, you know? Um, I don't know. It feels like, like it feels like we're losing Washington. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to stick by it. We're losing Washington. They're being left I behind. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I, I agree. <laughs> well, we already lost New York. We're going to get to that later. But I feel like I feel like Washington is slipping into cross-off territory soon. Yeah, uh, yeah I agree. I, I don't. They're not there yet. They're not there yet because they one. They're probably pretty healthy besides the Fitzpatrick situation. And I, I, I got to put faith in the defense. There's a chance. The division's not that good. I, I, it's very tough, especially when you start looking at like stuff like the, the points differential is starting to get pretty ugly for them. Um, they, they only have a slightly better points differential than the Giants, and the Giants got annihilated. Um, so... I feel I feel bad for all the Washington fans out there. Like I laugh at you and I also feel bad. It's just it, it stings to have a seven and nine season where you feel like you're on the upswing and then you come back this year and it's like, oh, we're the same old Washington football team. I don't know. It's it's like a Kafka esque self repeating nightmare that you can't get out of. Yeah. I mean, the reason why I bring up cross off is I think they have objectively the toughest schedule in the division like for the rest of the year. And it's part and parcel of their success last year. Like they draw the first place teams in the rest of the NFC. It's surprise. All of them are good as well as the one, (laughs) the first place AFC East team, which is surprise. Good. Like, (laughs) um, like, like, I don't know. Like these, these, like the Saints, I think, are pretty mediocre this year. Like these kind of like middle of the road teams, these are the games you need early in the season, especially while most teams are fighting themselves, to give yourself a fighting chance and some confidence to maybe steal some against good teams later in the year. But like, you know, looking at the rest of their schedule, from now until the end of the season, they've got the middle middle chunk of no NFC East teams where they have to go play the Packers, the Chiefs next week, Broncos, Bucks, Panthers, Seahawks, Raiders. Like there's those are all potential losses for this team unless they find themselves or some sort of identity fast, you know? And I do think that to your point, the division is bad. So things might get interesting in the last five games where they go on a five straight game divisional tear, you know, but I, who knows, maybe, maybe that's what saves them is just, if they can get like a win or two over the next few weeks and the fact they have those five divisional games in their back pocket by the, to close out the year, get hot at the right time. Yeah. Go four and one or something. And, in those and maybe you're maybe you're in it it's if, just 
if Dallas comes back down to earth, that's the only thing. It's like I don't yeah, think any that is. I don't think any team in this division is good enough as a second place team to be a wild card contender necessarily. No way, no way. <laughs> absolutely. Hell. Like if you're second place the NFC East, you're solidly out of the playoffs. You know, yeah, you're and solidly like, drafting like twelfth. <laughs> it's not even close. <laughs> so we'll have to see. But I, I'm, I'm disappointed. I hope maybe Fitzpatrick coming back whenever he comes back gives him a little bit of juice. But I think Heineke ain't it. Their defense is disappointing them. Yeah, um, it's it's crazy going on to the Washington subreddit, and they're still like. Yeah, Heineke wasn't great, but like he was fine, you know. Like, like they're still defending Heineke, and he he was he was not. It was a winnable. I think if you swap Heineke with like a Daniel Jones type, or even like a Teddy Bridgewater type, I think they win that game. Mm-hmm. Like it, it was a very winnable game for Washington, but they gave up some stupid. Huge plays like Hail Mary esque deep balls that landing Collins former that's Giant right, got that's right. On. Um, that's the one play I did see the the Hail Mary at the end of the half, and no Washington defenders jumped for it at all, and they had an easy touchdown to close right. out the half. It was, it was crazy. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's just, and I get, I get why as a Washington fan, you want to blame your defense for that stuff. Like, I really do get it, but it just the way that their offense is structured and how low powered it is puts every possession is like, Oh, like the defense has to get a stop. Like mm-hmm. there's no like, Oh, like, yeah, we, we blundered that it led to a big play, but like, we're going to march down the field and get it back or something like there's zero confidence in that. So I guess Washington fans have just like really honed in on the defensive front as the people to blame. doesn't seem really justified to me. Complimentary but, uh, football, man. Complimentary football. It is. They're it really failing. is for them, big time. I just, uh, I, I, I really feel like people need to consider that that offense, great offenses make better defenses, and great defenses make better offenses. And usually, if your defense gets you around three to four drive stops in a game it's incumbent on your offense to go out and score. You know what I mean? It's like, like, I don't know. Like it's frustrating to me to see like things so black and white and binary and critique when very often it's both units underperforming at the same time, affecting each other that creates losses, you know, like I don't think it's either the defense nor the offense. I think probably the offense has more to blame. And if it was more of a threat, the defense would probably be asked to do less. So Anyway, any chance they beat the Chiefs next week? Uh, slim chance. Slim, like if something, if Patrick Mahomes like breaks his leg or something, that's a good chance. You're right. There's always uh, a chance. <laughs> and also, in addition to that, I do think I think the Chiefs are pretty beatable. I'm really like that offense is great, but if like a couple things go wrong, the defense is so bad. I think even Washington's offense with the right game plan, there's a chance. I agree with your Chiefs being beatable uh, take. I don't agree that Washington's the kind of team that can beat them. I think that yeah, I, mean, yeah. <laughs> I think that their offense is good enough to hang 30 on this defense right now, especially with the Redskins offense or <laughs> the Redskins offense, especially with the Washington <laughs> offense <laughs> uh, uh. being as uh being as inept it is right now, I feel like this is like a 35 to 18, 21 game. Yeah. Do you want to give a score? Yeah. Uh, I, I think I'll say 35 to 24, but there's a chance. There's a chance. All right. Let's go to a game that I did watch Eagles Panthers. Um, Eagles win. Yeah. It's about the best I can say about that game because it was a pretty shitty game before that. <laughs> it was not good. I mean, a lot of standout plays from I well, A, I think special teams won us the game, oddly. The the uh the blocked kick set up essentially everything to help help win the game. Um I just the defense played well. 
I, I wonder how much of that was just like maybe the Panthers are not as good as we think they are or we thought they were going into this week, at least on mm. offense. Like it's Darnold for real, for real, you know. Um, it felt like the, the Panthers, the best, the best take I've heard about this game is when it was like 16 to 6 or whatever it was for most of like the first three quarters it was a one and a half score game but it felt like a three score game eagles offense couldn't get anything going the panthers weirdly felt in control but they just were not putting the foot on the neck of the eagles with their offense and scoring that like those pull away scores that like the chiefs had done the previous week and uh the cowboys had done two weeks before that you know, and they let the Eagles hang around and the Eagles put out a win. Um, I think it's admirable that the Eagles were able to scrap out a win. I think it says a lot. If, you know, if reviewing this Eagle season as essentially the record doesn't matter, this is ultimately a referendum on Jalen Hurts and Nick Sirianni. I think this is like another bigger than moral victory. It's another victory for real. But still, a lot, a lot to clean up, a lot wrong, a lot of stuff that's not working. And it's not like I left this game feeling any more confident that, like, on a Thursday night against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, this team can win, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, especially Lane Johnson's out. Um, I, like, for, for sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself for the Bucks game, but um, yeah. Yeah, I don't think the Eagles are a very good team, but I don't think that's the fault of any coaching decisions or anything like that. The coaching so far, hard to get mad about it. I know that a lot of people want to talk about the lack of red game and stuff. It was just like, I just, it doesn't, the teams that can run the ball are one, either like really have great offensive lines and like ball control, clock possession offenses, mm-hmm. or Two, just have a confident enough game script and can keep the game close enough to not have to abandon the run. Good teams run – you said this before, and I agree with it. It's 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 like a chicken or the egg thing. Like do teams run the ball and that's what makes them good? Or is it just that good teams – are kind of allowed to run the ball mm-hmm. and that that looks good but it's really just a byproduct of – of being good. Um, and I feel like the Eagles are pretty firmly recognized, at least the Eagles coaching staff does that they're in that category where they can't really afford to run the ball and let the clock wind down. Like they just need to take riskier opportunities or more dynamic play calling Mm -hmm. to, to make up for that. Uh, Jalen hurts. I don't think look too good this week. I do. I do. I think the Panthers defense is pretty legit um, as well. I think the so, Panthers defense is the best part of their team. Yeah, def- <laughs> definitely. Yeah, they've got guys. I mean, uh, Temple Zone, Hassan Reddick back there. Like yep. they've got some guys who can play. Um, but uh, again, I think there there are definitely spots to like about the Eagles. But I think on the whole, the roster is not not deep enough to compensate for the injuries, and it's a nice it's a nice road win. But yeah. I don't want to take too much away from it because we thought the Panthers were good four games in. I don't want to take too little away, but you know it's it's the a really odd two game. and three football team right now. I mean that feels about right. Yeah, really odd game to try and take any takeaways from. I still feel like the Eagles are kind of an enigma. I do want to talk a little bit about the run splits because it is like the hottest topic. The play calling yeah. is like the biggest, like you kind of said my point for me by citing. A prior opinion I had, <laughs> but to, <laughs> to highlight it a bit, like my biggest frustration, whenever this is brought up, is like you don't know what you don't know. There's like a there's there's millions of possible plays that can be called whenever a play is called. And this is some Donald Rumsfeld shit. <laughs> this is the justification to evade a rat. Like, we don't. Well, I guess what I'm I guess what I'm saying is like. Do you fault play calling or do you fault execution? Because what I'm seeing is 
a coaching staff that is trying to get building blocks established and tempo established, right? And, but they're trying to do it through quick screens and slants to get their passing game jump started, which then they think will open up the run more. Probably because they correctly look at their offensive line and say this isn't an offensive line that can get much push without already having the defense on the back foot by respecting the pass game. You know? Yeah. So I'm more frustrated, not at the fact that they're trying to build the offense from short, quick passes, but that they're calling the plays. The plays are there and the Eagles aren't executing them. You know, it's like how many times has a Jalen Hurts quick slant like been two yards behind or in front of the receiver making it basically impossible to, even if they did catch it to get the yak needed to like have the defense respected, you know, it's like, I I don't know. Like I, I'd rather see, it's really hard to tell, right? Cause then you're like, okay, they've tried this same game plan two or three times this year. Like, what do what does the coaching staff know that fans don't and are they right you know is it that they see the team at practice every week and know that like trying something different is very unlikely to work therefore they're going to try and stick to what they believe will work right and then that's still not working because that's more talent and execution than it is play calling you know but if it's like the coaching staff is like watching them at practice every day and Miles Sanders is ripping off 15 yard runs consistently. And then Nick Sirianni still like, I believe in this, in the short passing game, we're not going to do it, you know? Yeah. And obviously that's a, that's the fault of play calling. Right. But it's like, yeah. I don't think we as fans, even on the called runs have seen a dominant running game enough to like, be like, yes, obviously to get those building block five to seven yard chunks. Like, we need to be running Miles Sanders like a bell cow. Like, I don't know whether, like, I don't trust that that's the case either. You know, I don't know. Yeah. I've been more disappointed just by the lack of crisp execution on fundamental building block pass plays from this team. Cause that's clearly how Sirianni wants them to play and they're not executing, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, I just don't think the talent is there yet. And on the O line, too, I think. You know, if if the O line was healthy, maybe this stuff is happening because you just have more time and more confidence in calling these kind of plays. But it's just not. So you're you're trying to adjust and get some quick hitting stuff out there, get the ball out of jail of of Hertz's hands quickly. You know, it doesn't seem like a crazy theory to me. I especially in the Carolina game, when would you have run the ball? You know, like it doesn't. They you the Eagles were down for the the majority yeah. of the game by by more than a score. It's just like what is it, is now the time to like feed Miles Sanders and try to mount a comeback that way? It's just bizarre logic. Um, I think you do bring up a good point. What's up? It does. I think in some level boil boil down to some like fan psychology where fans always want to be hopeful about their teams, so they're always going to overrate the players in their head and what they think they're capable yeah. of. So if the players are not performing to the level they think they're capable of, then it's the coach's fault for not putting them in the right position. Whereas yeah. I kind of think this year, at least, especially earlier in the season when a very young team skill position wise hasn't gotten reps, that it's way more likely that the players are being put in the right position and just aren't executing. Yeah. You know, yeah, I, I think we do. We, Sirianni might be a dunce to your point. There's a chance that he's like Ben McAdoo, just insisting on running 11 personnel. But given what we already know about the Eagles roster, it's much more likely to be that. Yeah. Um, speaking of fan psychology, I do wonder if part of it is like when you watch the team run the ball, it's usually because you're winning. And so fans associate running the ball with winning in like yep. a Pavlovian sense. Uh, yeah. 
So like, why we need to like, and then when you don't see it, you get like that insecurity. Like my mouth is watering for running the ball. Like, where is that? Uh, And then when it doesn't happen, it leaves this kind of bizarre anxiety that you don't, you don't see in almost any other sport. I don't think, you know, even in basketball, it's not like usually during the game, you'll see like a fan's thread being like god we need to shoot more threes like or like yeah. we're shooting too many three it's it's rarely like that it's usually just like man we suck or like we're awesome but in football it's this armchair qb situation where it's like <laughs> why are we it's such a base like it's the most surface level thing you can do but it's like god we need to run the ball we need to blitz the quarterback like, it's like the simplest most emotional responses you could yeah. have um, and I've been there, especially on blitzing. Like when I'm when my team is down by a lot, I want to I want to engage eight every single time. So I feel it, but I I think it's completely irrational. I do think that's one of my favorite parts about watching football with people is, um, like the armchair quarterbacking. That's not really even like analysis. They're just like saying good things that need to right. happen <laughs> yeah it's right. like my favorite is when someone's just like god we need a pick need, right here need yeah. to turn over. <laughs> i mean yeah. i i there's something that's not to say that i think that people i've watched football with people and gotten like really good analysis and thoughts from other people while we're watching but there is something emotionally gratifying <laughs> about saying these like idioms that yeah. you just need to see. Like when you run for a first down, my favorite thing to say is like, do it again. Let's do it again. <laughs> just like, 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 yeah, that would be great. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> awesome. If I could just press the run for first down button every time I would. I love, uh, we really need a turnover. Uh, we really need a score on this drive. You could say that about, any drive (laughs) it's but it's but it's like satisfying to participate in yeah i'm not even roasting these people because i am this person no i'm the same way it's just it's just really funny to me that it's just like it it is more about emotional participation in in what's going on and trying to build up the the storyline the drama in your own head than it is like actually providing like a dimension of analysis a, a thoughtful or like, critique. Yeah. <laughs> what's going on usually it boils down to just like things that can happen that would be good at any situation in the game <laughs> right. <laughs> right. like yeah sure i would love to run for eight yards every time i ran the ball i would yeah. love for a turnover to happen most plays where i'm on defense like <laughs> <laughs> one can even say all plays all plays yeah. is fine <laughs> but yeah um Anyway, Eagles box on Thursday. I don't, I think this is another pretty obvious uh, loss for the Eagles. Um, I mean, I was wrong last week. I picked them to lose against the Panthers, but uh, I think maybe the Panthers are worse than I thought they were. And I think the Bucks are as good as I think they are. And a short week, I favor the ageless veteran QB. HGH. Yeah. <laughs> out of control. <laughs> but yeah, we, we can, well, man, I just want to take two seconds to lament that. Like one thing that really hurts is that after last season, like my Tom Brady's assistant quarterback take is like dead. Like I can't like, what else can I, I say about him anymore? You know, it's just HGH. You know, it is. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's my LeBron thing too. But (laughs) I true, I truly believe they're both on HGH. (laughs) I do. (laughs) Roger Federer is too. I swear to God. These fuckers are on HGH or something similar. It's, it's a lock. You didn't see people doing this until 2000. And Barry Bonds had a balloon head and was raking home runs. And we all got mad at Barry. We all hated Barry, hated his guts. Nobody can physically be that good after like 35. And then 15 years later, these credulous rubes are like, oh, Goat Brady, he's 44 and still getting it done. Like, you think that's normal? It's, <laughs> it's not, not even, normal. It's nobody, not normal. 
like no quarterback in the 80s played past like 35 because they were basically dead. Yeah. Like I understand the rules have changed, but like what are we talking about here? I I think the biggest the most damning thing you could probably say is most people point to modern science and and medical advancements and shit, but like yeah. what what is modern science beyond performance enhancers? Like what? Right. <laughs> Right. Oh, nutrition. Like, I hate to break it to you. Like, Will Chamberlain like knew he had to eat chicken, guys. Like, it wasn't like he wasn't eating birthday cakes every day or something. I do think um, there is something to be said for just the progression of like the floor of professional athletes. Like, I do think that like knowledge does compound, and we do progress, and that maybe it wouldn't be like you know like a pro team kicking you know it's not out of a college team in modern times. If like yeah. a team from 2020 plays a team from like 1960 something, you know, yeah. but I do think the 2020 team has the edge. I think oh, for me, I mean, definitely. I think for me, like my thing is like, it's the longevity that really. Yeah. It is, it is about like yeah. Brady and LeBron and a few of these people. And really just like, you know, to to the point we were saying before, like every player has the advantages that every other player has. And yes, like LeBron, let's say did have this more natural advantage of being built like a professional tight end in when he was in like sophomore year of high school. Right. But it's like the conditioning program and everything to like sustain that into his late thirties with no, plans on stopping into his most likely forties at this point is insane. And I don't think that happens just because like he's smarter about chicken than Mark is smart or something. (laughs) (laughs) And I think the same thing goes for Tom Brady. It's like, all right, like what, like you're who, what's the name of that guy that he co-wrote that book with? You know, oh, like know. his weird, like personal trainer that was like on the yeah. Patriots staff. Anyway, yeah, like, like, the what? like guy. you guys sat, you guys like sat in a lab and like figured out that like water's good for you. And now all of a sudden Brady can play until <laughs> you're 44. Like what kind of, like we all bought right. it too. Most people bought it, bought that it's narrative. Such, it's crazy. Right. <laughs> it is, that is such like a blatant, like PR move too, is to be like, yeah. let's, let's throw some easy bait out there to get these fools off the trail. <laughs> oh, it's my magic water that helps me. It's not the fact that I am just pumped full of drugs, performance enhancers every day. I mean, I think a lot of the NFL is, but with Brady, it's just like, man, like even Brett Favre was like the ageless wonder. First of all, Brett Favre definitely played in like the steroid era. I yeah. I wouldn't be shocked to see if Brett Favre was on steroids. And Brett Favre was also like a decrepit old man who was falling apart. Looks like, like he was 40 when he was 40. Tom Brady right. looks like he's 31 when he's 40, which is like <laughs> not. <laughs> and he's, and he's so much. And Brady now is like way older than Favre was during Favre's like last good years. And yeah. Favre was like the model for modern longevity. It's getting, it's getting absurd. It's like, it really is like when Barry Bonds was like 37 and just raking and you're like, oh, this has never been done before. It's insane what he's doing. It's like, there's a reason why it's never been done before. The sport's been around for a long time. Like if there's one person who is multiple standard deviations as an outlier more than anyone else in the history of the sport, my money's on something else going on there. That's all I'll say. The Bucks win is what we're is what we're saying. The Bucks win this game. Bucks win. <laughs> the steroids win. Uh, you have a score. <laughs> yeah, I think it's actually going to be a shootout because I think the Panthers' defense is better than the Bucks' defense, actually. Uh-huh. Uh, but the Bucks' offense is just clearly, you know, on another. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I think it's a. It might, it's going to be a shootout because I do think also short week probably means the Bucks defense shows up a little bit sleepier than what they would typically show up as. And I think yeah. the Eagles offense, Hey, I think it comes down to Jalen hurts. Like if he can execute and yeah. look more like Kansas city game or Falcons game, Jalen hurts as opposed to Cowboys and Panthers game, Jalen hurts. I think that this Eagles offense can score points especially on a short week against a Buccaneers defense. But ultimately I think like 
the X factor here is the roided up ageless wonder who doesn't need prep time to just dissect defenses. You know, right. it's like, you have to ride that <laughs> in this matchup, yeah. you know, <laughs> the Eagles, the Eagles have a puncher's chance here. Um, for sure. Th- being on Thursday night definitely helps their case. Yeah. But it's it's an uphill battle. I'm going to say 38 to 31. I was going to say 37 to 24. All right. I think it's going to look a lot like the Chiefs game where, like, they'll hang around. They'll have some, like, weird penalties that, like, call back scores. And yep. it'll, it'll, like, look impressive, but ultimately be, like, a pretty demonstrative Buccaneers win, you know? Yep. Look impressive, all things considered, for just like the growth of the Eagles team. Like, there's gonna be good things to take away from it, but yes. like, not like a, not like a close football game, you know. Anyway, let's get to the main course: Cowboys Giants. I'm crossing the Giants off. There it is. <laughs> I have it to. had to be done. I could your My, meme your meme made too much sense. It did did it, did it not make too much sense? <laughs> I was so proud of that one. <laughs> yeah, it it did it did make me come to Jesus a bit on the New York Giants. I I don't know. Even though there's a part of me that's like, well, there's still only one game back from Washington and uh Philly. Yeah. To me, it's it's the injuries piling up on top of just how bad they've been that is really yeah. starting to like giving me cause for concern about this this Giants team at this point. It's like you know they were already bad. They needed. I thought they had stuff in the tank to like find a gear, but like they're not going to find that with players coming in and out at this point. It's going to be a rough season from this point forward. <laughs> yeah. Like I think this is like a backbreaking game for this team uh yeah i mean not much to say it was kind of close pretty much until it looked like you had a good you had a good intuition going there giants down seven at the half and got the ball back in the second half i think um i think the dj concussion turned the game really oh yeah yeah that took the wind out of the sails for sure especially since it was on the goal line yeah you know it just it just wasn't a good wasn't a good situation, um, and Dallas is too. Dallas is too good. I think at this point, you just can't lose players and expect you know to to fill those gaps. So it was, it was a very rough watch, man. Another yeah. just truly depressing slog where I had to watch Mike Glennon throw interceptions to Trayvon Diggs. I was reading some nonsense this week um, that was like. Before the game, before the game, that was like Trayvon Diggs has been overrated because he's getting a lot of interceptions, but he's also like allowing a lot of yards or some other mm-hmm. advanced stat nonsense. It's like, man, I don't know how you could watch Trayvon D- Diggs and think that at all. He's a complete monster. I, I mean, that I can't in good faith pick Asante <laughs> Samuel for my all two thousands team and then agree with that take about Trayvon Diggs. I think that right. <laughs> I don't that's, think that's, that's a criticism. A very good point. I don't think that's a criticism. I think that's an intentional style of play, and it's like freaking working. You know, yes. <laughs> it's, it's working extremely well. The dude has six picks through five games. Like, yeah. I don't care if he allows two hundred yards a game. Like, it is worth it. And he's not like he's doing fine. You know, yeah. on the yards allowed front, he also had a couple like very close picks where he kind of just like bullied Kenny Galladay to the ball before Galladay got hurt. It's just like, man, like his instincts are on another level is I know we already talked about it, but he's the way that he is the linchpin of their defense as a cornerback is, is crazy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, you also have to look at how the defense is performing as a whole, which it's like 10 times better than it was last year. It's like, I'd be more concerned if it's like, okay, this guy weirdly is like, maybe getting more turnovers than you would think while also leaking yards and giving up like 10 scores, yeah. you know what I mean? Or something like that. Right. Or it's just like, Oh, maybe it is just chance, but it's like, he hasn't given up many touchdowns this year. I don't think if it's just that he's playing a little bit like a riverboat gambler between the twenties, trying to like play off and bait people into picks and it's working. And then he clamps down in the red zone and doesn't give up scores. Like, that's an all pro quarter. Like I don't. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty great. 
<laughs> like, I don't know what that is, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. um, but yeah, that is, uh, yeah, I, I, another weird game where I think the only conclusion you can draw about either of the teams is the Giants suck. Like, I don't think you can actually, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. like, I don't, I, I'm still not sold on the Cowboys as like a Super Bowl or like, deep yeah, playoff I think contender. they're good. They're a, yeah. they're, they're a playoff team. For yeah. sure, I think. But we said that point. about them last week. There, I learned nothing new yeah. about the Dallas Cowboys this week. Just yeah, like, just, congrats, just, you like beat the tar out of Mike Glennon. Like, I don't like what. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, it sounds like I'm hating. I will respect what the Cowboys have done. I they have won games that they should win demonstrably, you know, and it's it's impressive. But it's like, all right, I want to see them in prime time, late season against the historic last five years best of the nfc give me give me bucks give me packers give me seahawks give me you know what i mean like let's see this and then i'll then i'll then i'll be more sold just i know it's a divisional game i know i had this marked as a trap game i will eat my words it was it was kind of a trap game there yes until jones got hurt it was not out of the question for the giants to win that game yep but it is what it is. Um, sneakily, I do think the next game up on the Cowboys radar against the Patriots, like Patriots aren't good, but also still playing very Belichickian. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's it's in it's in Foxborough. Yeah, I actually agree. It's I'm a little scared that we're agreeing on everything this week, um, but. I think uh, New England wins this game. Yeah, I think my I might this I might be wrong for the second week in a row, but the one thing the Patriots are doing still very well is forcing teams to not do the one thing that they actually want to do on offense. You know, yeah. like each game this year, even though they're sitting at. Uh, two and three, like they frustrated the Buccaneers offense. Uh, they took away a lot of what the Texans wanted to do. Like, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like a lot of what Dallas is good at right now is like, they have, they have a ton of talent and they'll just like, they have a very similar game plan each game. They just sort of expect that their players are better than the players that they're lining up against and just sort of sent them out there to be like, do yeah. your thing. Like offensive line dominate, uh, digs, do your thing out in the corner, you know, Zeke Pollard, one, two thunder lightning, like just get the, do the Brandon Jacobs, Tiki Barber <laughs> maneuver. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, I, I feel like Belichick, this will require, more guile to beat the Patriots. And I don't know whether Dallas has that guile in their arsenal yet. You know what I mean? I think it's a really, really good take. Um, When, when Dallas teams are good, this is usually like exactly how they're good is power running game, just brute force in the trenches. I mean, even the 07 um, Cowboys team that had Flozell Adams and had like 13 pro bowlers and stuff like very similar to this team. Um, I think it's it's a tough game to win on the road. I think it's also maybe easy. This is a little bit of tea leaf reading, but it's the week before a bye week. You're mm-hmm. up a lot in the division, and no other team in the division looks like a threat. Might be easy to kind of let off the gas pedal a little bit get caught napping um, and then go into the bye week at four and two and still feel really good about yourself. Yeah. So uh, I, I like the Patriots to win at 23 to 20, but I've got to say I like the way Dallas looks right now. They, I mean, they're doing, they're doing what they need to do. Talk about a team that's, that's providing, maybe there's like a, a, a Dallas fan who has gotten some superpower where they're the guy who, when they says the football thing, it actually happens. Like, need a pick right now, and it happens. 
or like keep running the football and they do it and it's actually working over and over. That's kind of how it feels to watch them. It's just like, oh, like all only good things can happen to this team. I don't I do think that means there's scary room for regression, but damn if they don't look like just a, a well-oiled machine at this moment. Yeah. Um I will say, I, I think it's gonna be 27-23 Patriots and if the Cowboys win, and if they win again like they have been winning, like if it's like a 35-20 something game and like the Patriots defense literally cannot put a stick in the wheels and the spokes of the Cowboys offense, like no other team could for the past two or three weeks, then my head starts to turn to be like, oh crap, maybe, (laughs) you know, like maybe this is a legit Cowboys team. Right. And honestly, like it doesn't necessarily have to be a loss that it has to be a win on the level. Like the Patriots at two and three, should be another team that if the Cowboys are as good as what they are, they should beat them the way that they've beaten these other two and three, one and whatever teams, right? If they can't, it's the Belichick edge. Or even if they win by like a little and they leave it down to the wire, then they look more like the Cowboys team that I think they are, which is like discipline. Second tier. Yes. Like second tier. Great. Not like first tier dominant. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do think that there's a little bit – man, it's it's weird to talk about the Cowboys and still rag on them the whole time when they're by far looking at the, <laughs> the best, best team, in the team in the division. Is this how we do? I'm sorry to all our Cowboys <laughs> out there. I know you hate me and Sean. Uh, <laughs> I don't feel bad about it really. But uh, anyway, I I'm a big believer in – getting hot too early in the NFL season yeah, 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 and yeah. having that cool off later. I yep. think there's a chance of that here. The best thing the Cowboys can do is lose this Patriots game for that reason. You don't want to get too hot. You just want to. Yeah. Especially going don't, into. Don't show your hand. I mean, if they do try the same thing they've tried for the past two, three weeks and it doesn't work, then it will force them to go back into the lab and, come up with new things that may work in the future. It could help them. Right. Exactly. Like, I I think you're right. If the Cowboys win this game, we might have to talk about paper tiger status for them. We have a bye week to think about it. I think that's, it's very, it's very last year Steelers esque at that point. It it is just because they're doing things so well that if they don't, to your point, if they don't really encounter a consistent, form of stopping them suddenly they're in the playoffs and they're running for like two and a half yards per carry and they're just kind of panicking yeah it's a totally different ball game you you want to be tested um and i i think you want to lose some games too yeah um, and belichick is a great he will test you so now's a good chance to get that loss in don't become a paper tiger you know keep it keep everything in moderation <laughs> I love that take. Uh, Giants, Rams. Giants lose, right? (laughs) Whoa, out. (laughs) First off, the Rams are really, really good. Yeah. Uh, It's tough to say. We we hate everything good, which is why we don't like McVay. (laughs) But damn, if they're not good. Oh, man, they're good. So – I mean, I what, I think what are the Giants going to do? I think what's hard for me to swallow now is like not only are they good, they're actually fun to watch now. Whereas before, yeah. I didn't think the golf Rams were particularly fun to watch. You know, it's like, oh man, now it's like, okay, I really like Matthew Stafford. I love that he's <laughs> has a renaissance. Like I, you know, like <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, I don't know. It's Cliff Kingsbury is... is still diet Sean McVay though. Like let's let's make that. Let's keep that going. Like I don't think the car- the Cardinals are for real. Let's give let's give McVeigh his flowers. I'm never going. To- I could I could be seduced by the hot coach Cardinals again. It could happen. <laughs> I'm not I'm not out of that race for sure. <laughs> we have the but, the East has the Cardinals this year, right? This should come do, up. Do, do we? <laughs> someone has someone has to have them. The right. way that they schedule our division is like we won't play the NFC West until like weeks nine through twelve or something, and then it will be done. So <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know, I don't know how it, uh, 
Maybe right, the Eagles we'll have them? I don't we'll know. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. But, yeah, this is going to be a beatdown. I'm predicting, like, a stupid score, like, 35 to 10. It could be – it probably will be closer than that. <laughs> I'm sure Vegas won't give you 25 points on the Rams, but they should. It's going to be – it's going to be as bad as the Rams want it to be. Yeah. Is basically it. Like, there's no way of stopping them. Yeah, I think it's going to be like 35 17, 35 13, something yeah. like that. Like, the only thing that will take the gas off for the Rams will be the clock. <laughs> like, yeah. like, if they just kept playing the way that they want to play, they could easily score 40 to 50, but they won't. So they'll stop in the fourth quarter and just keep running. You know, right. exactly. Good teams run. Like, we'll see yeah. that. <laughs> right. No, we'll see that Rams, they ran 35 times and they won the game. Like, game by like 20. Like, <laughs> yeah. Can't oh, wait man. for that bias to be confirmed this week. <laughs> we need, we need like a little, like a Cliff's Notes of like our big theses that we've hit on. Yeah. Uh, the Paper Tiger one is real. I think this run one has real potential. That's a you take from way back. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, I, d- I don't want to think about it too much, to be honest with you. It's it's just depressing in a way that I can't um, really. Will you articulate. stop watching at any point this year? No, <laughs> I've watched every game. <laughs> I understand that. Uh, I, th- I think so the tough much. thing for me, the thing that annoys me, and you know this, is is not so much during the season because like this is kind of what I'm used to at this point, and I just. I'm very pragmatic about this team, as everybody knows. The tough thing for me is getting mad at all the optimists every offseason who are yeah. like, oh, my God, like we got a Dory Jackson. Like we're unstoppable. Just like we're going to be back in this place next year. We're going to talk ourselves into Lorenzo Carter, his fifth season in the NFL. Maybe he gets three sacks this season. I don't know. Uh, there's just something. I, there's a New York – New Yorker, New Jersey psychology thing there that I can't really wrap my head around. It exists for the Jets as well, um, but it's it's that's the worst part for me. So right now I'm kind of in normal emotional status. You got, any takes, you got any takes this week for take around the league? Uh, if you could go first, that would be great. Uh, well, this is inspired by the NFC East. Actually, it's not. Uh, okay. it's not a necessarily a take around the league, but you know, we've seen some talk about Kadarius Tony being a human joystick. And I think that term <laughs> is bonkers. I don't think it should exist. I don't think anyone should be called a human joystick. So I, I, <laughs> I knew this take was coming. Actually, I forgot about it until now. Dante Hall's nickname was actually the human joystick. I'm cool with it being one guy's nickname. I think that's I cool. don't like it as a, catch all yeah, like term a, yeah like a like an attribute like what right. is that <laughs> <laughs> right I, I don't I, you know we we need we need human joystick type attributes for other players where like <laughs> it being like a skyrim video game description for like an ability your character has yeah like like oak like big oak tree for like offensive linemen <laughs> some idiotic <laughs> shit you know <laughs> I'm trying to like riff on what I mean. Obviously, like <laughs> hard hard worker for all the white players. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, Jim Rat type stuff. Jim Rat. Sure. Yeah. What I what I want is for an NFL broadcast to devolve into complete idiom, so that. Somebody who understands English like fluently, but as a second language, like a like a Norwegian person or something, is like <laughs> cannot what understand fuck? what's been saying. What are these oak trees and joysticks? Like, like the entire thing is just this veiled reference of like common use phrases that mean yeah. nothing, really. Yeah. yeah. Look at the game manager standing behind his wall of, <laughs> of oak trees, <laughs> dishing it out to to his cadre of human joysticks. <laughs> now it's too overused. It, like it literally has lost all of its meaning. I like 
just any shifty player. Like, it's also insane we're hearing this take about Kadarius Tony after one 150-plus yard game. Yeah, he's a rookie. I get it. But it's like Dante Hall had to earn human joystick status on, like, a languishing Chiefs team where all he did was return <laughs> punts. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and really freaking well. But still, it's like he he earned his way onto ESPN and got that nickname. And just like what? Kadarius Tony is fast, so he's human joystick? Yeah. I know that's how he's human joystick. No, I, I say no. I, I hear you. And I think part of this is also because there's probably like 20 players in the league that you could describe as human joystick, which once again, dilutes it enough to just not be useful as a descriptor. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to actually, it just came to my mind. If human joysticks exist, that means I can call Ezekiel Elliott, the human D pad. And I think, we can. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god is Ezekiel gonna kill us like, <laughs> that's no it's no longer thunder and lightning it's Pollard is the human joystick <laughs> and Zeke is the human d-pad <laughs> <laughs> I want to give to, we if this week's submission request is good nickname for Tony Pollard like a really flattering one too yeah. I'm not taking bullshit mean nicknames only nice like ones it. about tony pollard all right did you get one yet a take? do you have one in your head uh yeah this isn't really much of a take it's just a just another sympathy shout out to our friends over there in detroit god oh, help you guys man. come on god help you <laughs> it's so it's so sad they've gotten so you know close what? this season too it's really sad I know, they, and I, I actually think they're getting better, but yeah. man, it's just like their schedule feels rough to start out the year, like Niners, Packers, Ravens, and then it just feels like it's a slippery slope. I think that, I do think that there's a conspiracy, here's my take, I guess. I just, I, what I like to do is just roll into a take <laughs> as I talk usually, about something else. It also just usually boils down to there being conspiracy when there's not a conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the whole, that's the magic of a conspiracy is, of course, you don't think there's one. <laughs> Any we pattern know can in, be explained by conspiracy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, and they're all correct. To, you're correct to do that, by yeah. the way. Um <laughs> I, I I do think you'll see this a lot with like ref like refs hate Detroit and stuff. I think mm-hmm. the NFL just hates Detroit. I don't think they're like cursed. I don't think there's something there. I think there's an active agenda on mm-hmm. like your NFL like to do list that's like screw over Detroit one other way this week. I just think it exists. There's too much evidence. Do your research, all that stuff. So. <laughs> Uh, where we where we go one, we go all against Detroit. Is that <laughs> <laughs> this is the second uh, straight week we've made not veiled references to yeah, we, January sixth or QAnon? <laughs> <laughs> Before that, I said it was bad to wear FTNY hats. Like, what? <laughs> Am I the problem? <laughs> uh, I, I think uh, I think just the past couple of years have taken a toll on all of us. It's just it's just part of our yeah. psyche now. We're too aware I, of it. I, I, I think that there is like an interesting like developing use language around satirical conspiracy jokes and humor. I guess it's probably always existed like like jet fuel can't melt steel beams type memes yeah, yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. But I think increasingly it's become easier to delve into just these these universal references that we all understand to yep. uh, those crazy conspiracists out there. Shout out to crazy conspiracists. If you do it about things that don't matter, like a division in football, Tom Brady, the Detroit Lions, (laughs) Will Chamberlain's protein consumption, stuff like that. That's where we play. That's our conspiratorial playground. We don't, we don't delve into geopolitics and wouldn't it be a lot more fun if ever, like I would, I would love a nationally scaled debate about like we're having about vaccines. I don't want to even call it a debate, just a huge uh, hissy fit, I guess. But about, about like Wilt Chamberlain's like bench press routine. (laughs) Like I wish we had that kind of, of focus on, on irrelevant and wholesome topics. And we had 
a little bit more um, consensus on the stuff that actually matters. I agree. And on that note, I'll see you <laughs> next week, buddy. Yep, this was fun. Thanks, pal. Bye.